Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Happy Wednesday and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. Here's a quick announcement. Our May heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their families, and loved ones is live at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. This month's theme is Celebrating Mother's Day, Living a Legacy of Love. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO, of your family. So please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com and treat yourself to some engaging, entertaining, and enlightening stories. You deserve it. As for our kitchen table conversation today, my guest is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be talking about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, All You Need is Love, 101 Stories of Romance and Happily Ever After. Good morning, Amy. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, and happy Wednesday to you today. And happy almost officially summer, right? I guess when Memorial Day, it really, we really do consider it already to be summer. But I know technically we're not quite there. <laughs> That's right. So true. It's wonderful to have you here with me. And I have to tell you, Chicken Soup for the Soul, all you need is love. 101 Stories of Romance and Happily Ever After is an endearing read. I love the stories. They are very inspiring. And the collection is perfect like you say, to energize us going into the summer months with emphasis on love. Congratulations on its release, which was actually, I believe, yesterday. Yes, yes. This is what we consider to be our summer beach read. And that's why we have that beach scene on the front (laughs) cover, the sand with the heart drawn in it, and the two pairs of flip-flops, one a little bigger than the other. Uh, That's, you know... I mean, we thought about doing the Adirondack chair, mm-hmm. you know, that people have like the two Adirondack chairs, but then that's yeah. the Alice ads, so we didn't want to do that. So we thought this was a good summer image that conveyed the fact that there was a couple there, you know, at the beach. Um, right. Yeah. We got, real, we got a lot of compliments on this cover. It's, um, it's, it's really pretty. And I like how we always emboss the title now because it makes it yes. seem very special. Yeah. So, and I yeah, think that's what makes it work. And I believe that what makes it work, the, the embossment, you know, with the yet simple, elegant cover of the beach, the sand with the heart shape, it just pops. That's it. You know, it, it would make it. a great wedding gift, too. <laughs> a great wedding gift or engagement gift. Yeah. Because also, yes. you know, besides stories about, like, finding love, sometimes mm-hmm. in completely miraculous ways and... At any age, you know, people finding love. We also have a lot of stories in here about keeping the love alive and different mm-hmm. techniques that people have used to keep romance in their relationships, even when they're years or even decades down the road from their wedding. So there's, it really covers all aspects of love, not just finding love at the beginning, but also maintaining that love over a long period of time. Right, right. What I like about the book is that, like I say again, uh, it all of a sudden puts you in a mindset of, okay, love. Love is a big word, right? And so, okay, let's see what 
has installed. And you, what you mentioned is beautiful because, okay, there are people looking for love, people not looking for love, and just love smack them. <laughs> and then, ta-da, things happen. But there are situations out there that it's kind of interesting because people are still looking. Do you think love is elusive for some people? I think that they believe that it is. And so we mm-hmm. have a bunch of stories in here from people who had given up on finding love. They just decided mm-hmm. it was never going to happen for them. And then, of course, it did happen. <laughs> and that's one of the things that we're trying to provide to the readers yeah. is hope. And that's Chicken Soup for the Soul is a lot about hope, giving people hope in various parts of their lives including, in this case, hope that they will find love or rekindle the love that they already have with a partner. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, this, I think that this is a very hopeful book. It would be a great gift to give to somebody who had given up, somebody who maybe was divorced and can't find anybody to date a few years later, and they've given up. And if they read this book, they would say, oh, there probably is someone out there for me. You know, I just have to be mm-hmm. patient and keep my eyes open, and it will happen because it can happen for everyone. So we're hoping readers come away with that hope for themselves mm-hmm. or for people they love who are looking for love, and also we hope that readers will come away with some great wisdom about how to keep the romance alive you know, there's, mm-hmm. because the nice thing about our books is that the people who write the stories really open up their hearts and they're very mm-hmm. vulnerable, basically, because they tell their whole truth about mm-hmm. their life. And so they're really sharing intimate details of how they came to be married or what's going on in their marriage now. And I don't mean intimate in terms of intimacy. I mean just Right, private, right, right. personal stuff. They're sharing like, yes, my marriage was getting stale, and so we did such and such. It's that kind of thing. Right. So I think that it's a great book for people who are looking for love or who already have it but want to just maintain it at a high level. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, everybody, everybody likes to read a great love story. So <laughs> it's really for everyone. And there's nothing better in the summer than relaxing into a chair and reading some love stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, love is in the air. So having said that, do you recall any advice you receive about love? You know, I don't think I did. I don't <laughs> think my mother, I honestly don't think my mother gave me advice about love. I really uh-huh. don't think she did. I mean, I, I thought about it. I mean, she didn't have the greatest marriage. My parents were married mm-hmm. for, I don't know, 60, 65 years. Wow. But, yeah, and then my mother died. But um, but they, it was 65 years at that point. Mm-hmm. I don't think that she ever gave me any advice. She probably felt she wasn't really the right person to give me advice. And my friends didn't give me advice. But I I, I married my first boyfriend I started dating him at 14, married him at 28, then got divorced from him at 38, and then married my second husband. Um, So I didn't really have an active dating life, Mm -hmm. you know, to get advice from people. Um, I mean, I picked up plenty of advice from 
you know, reading Chicken Soup for the Soul story. So mm-hmm. I think that's very helpful. I think that working on these books has given me plenty of good advice. So I guess I have received advice, but it's from people who don't know they gave it to me because they're the people who wrote stories for us. And probably one of the key things that I've learned from all those stories is communications mm-hmm. and how you can't keep things bottled up inside. So if your partner does something that you don't like, you don't have to respond right at the moment when you're hurt or angry. You right. wait until you're calm. But then within a reasonable time frame, even if it's a couple of days, when you're calm about it, you can say, hey, you know that thing you said to me on Tuesday, well, here's why that bothered me. And that mm-hmm. really helps. Yeah, yeah, I really agree with that, though, because I, looking back, uh, you know, in my first situation in terms of uh, getting married, I, uh, the uh, not necessarily for the wrong reason, because I had the, you know, it's like we watch movies, right? We think, oh, wow, it's everything is just hunky-dory. <laughs> it don't work that way. And so, uh, but I was just only married for a couple of years and I realized that, you know, that's not what it's all about. And, but the funny thing about it is that my friends, they all saw that because like we're totally opposite and, but they were afraid to tell me that. And they didn't, you know, they, they didn't know how I was going to take it. And it was funny because uh, when I look at it, uh, I told them, I said, you know, I wish you had said something, but then would I change my mind? Probably not. <laughs> That's a hard position for a friend to be in. Like even when I know, yeah. you know, when, when somebody tells me they've broken up with somebody yeah. and I'm really glad because I really didn't think they should be with that person, I still yeah. don't say, oh, you're better off. Because half the time they get back together. Right? So uh, you're yeah. really safer not saying anything unless, of course, you're seeing, you know, an abusive relationship oh, or sure, something sure. that's yeah, really yeah. dangerous. Right, right, right. It's true. But you see, my mom, my Malaysian mom is very pragmatic, though. She's always been like, okay, you're thinking below the belt here. I mean, I'm not kidding you. I just <laughs> laugh. <laughs> so I said, have you thought about this in the 5, 10, 15 years down the road? Uh, well, you know, I guess I'll cross the bridge when I get there. It don't work that way. <laughs> so in many, many ways, uh, she, I guess that's the whole idea. You mentioned like people that has been through it, right? Uh, they know, for lack of a better term, respectfully, the good, bad, and ugly. They made it, and then they're sharing their words of wisdom. It may or may not apply to you, but this is what it's all about. And I love this book right here because all you need is love. It's about the idea is that, okay, you are thinking about all this stuff, but what is that common sauce that you need to put on it? And that sauce is love. Because when you look through the lens of love, it's no longer about you. It's about them. And how did, you know, this whole thing started in the beginning. And then you realize and you start going back and you start, things change within inside. So as a matter of fact, tell us the various chapters that are covered in the book. So we started out with a chapter called The Dating Game, because I figured that was the obvious place to start the book. (laughs) And... And we have 15 stories in there about dating. And then we moved on to Man of My Dreams. Mm-hmm. These are really cool stories where women dreamt about a certain man who they didn't know. 
But in their dream, there was this man, and he was perfect for them. And then they went and found that man in real life. I mean, sometimes it's just really spooky how well that works. And then chapter three is called Meant to Be, and it's all about destiny and fate and just, again, like sometimes stories that you just can't believe how these people came to meet each other and how perfect they are for each other. And then chapter four, four is called Keeping Love Alive, which, you know, is this really important concept about keeping the romance fresh, making sure you do the right things, making sure that you remind yourself to fall in love over and over again with your partner. Mm-hmm. And then chapter five is called Never Too Late. And this book is very appropriate uh, as a gift to give somebody who's older, who thinks, oh, well, love isn't going to happen for me now. But the fact is that we have stories from people of all ages, you know, including, you know, in their 80s, who found love and got married. And then chapter six is called Take the Risk. And it's about people who had given up or were operating from a place of fear instead of a place of hope. And these stories remind them, step forward, Accept that risk. Step out of your comfort zone, and it may really pay off. And mm-hmm. Chapter 7 is just a, a bunch of really fun love stories, and I called that chapter That's Amore. <laughs> and then Chapter 8 is called Believe in Miracles. It's just, you know, these stories that will give you goosebumps about how people met each other and how they were destined for each other. And then Chapter 9 is called Love That Doesn't Die. And it's about somebody dying in the relationship, but then some kind of message from heaven that their partner receives afterwards. So those are the chapters. It's really a fun book. It is. I really enjoyed it, and it's very well designed. That's the most important thing, and it has that warm feeling to it. And that's why I like the simplicity of the cover, because it's just this. I mean, you don't have to show a couple of people, right? Just show the artwork and it just speaks to you. And so it's just beautiful. Well, thank you. Very, very nicely done. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, MixCloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. Here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. My guest for today is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Our kitchen table conversation for today is about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, All You Need is Love, 101 Stories of Romance and Happily Ever After. Amy, let's dive into the book. I love the stories, and so we're going to get into it. Let's start off with Chapter 2, Man of Your Dreams. You mentioned that just now about how people get into this dream, and then somehow, ta-da, they met their uh, soulmate, so to speak. Uh, I like the story, The Date, by Jane Clark. So Jane was 12 years old, and she did this silly thing. Her mother had told her that there was this old tradition that if you cut a hard-boiled egg in half, then salted it, 
then ate only the white part. Then somersaulted into bed and slept with your head at the foot of the bed. Then you would dream about the man you would marry. So (laughs) Jane, at age 12, did this crazy thing. And that night, she dreamt that this long, dark car pulled up in front of the house, and a man stepped out of the driver's side and approached her. He didn't say anything. He just stood there gazing at her, and she got a good look at him while he was standing there. He had black hair cut neatly above his ears, and he was handsome, handsome with kind of sharp, angular features. Mm-hmm. And he looked intelligent. She could see it in his eyes. And she could never get that man out of her thoughts. And then five years went by, and now she was 17, you know, and she could date. And her friend asked her to go on a double date. Her friend's boyfriend was in the Navy, and he had a buddy from the Navy who was visiting. And so they wanted Jane to be the date for that buddy who was visiting. So Jane sat home one evening waiting for them to come and get her. They said they were going to be there at 7. And it was 10 o'clock, and they still hadn't shown up. And they didn't call her. And so she was getting really mad. And then finally they knocked on the door at 10, three hours late. And she marched to the door. She was going to explain to them that there was no way she was going out when they were already three hours late. But when she opened the door, her blind date was standing there. And he looked like the exact guy she had seen in that dream five (laughs) years earlier. The same black hair, the same angular face, the same eyes. And he said... I'm Joe, and put out his hand to shake hers. And instead of shaking his hand, Jane pointed at him and said, you're the man I'm going to marry. Let me get my coat. Four months later, they were married, and they had five children, ten grandchildren, now a bunch of great-grandchildren, even great-great-grandchildren. And she says, If she hadn't had that dream, she never would have gone on that date with that guy, that blind date. So she realized not only did that dream help her to find Joe, the love of her life, but it also helped to create all of those children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren, all because of that dream. So I thought that was very cool. It is. I guess I'm going to have to buy at least a dozen eggs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and stop boiling them. <laughs> no, it's beautiful. It's, I think it's one of those things. You know, I'm, it's ever since I was a kid, I've always liked romantic comedies, you know, in a way. And so... Sure, who doesn't? Reading, yeah, you know, in, in reading that story, it's like, it's really good. You know, it, it, it's just a wonderful story. Do you have a story that you uh, enjoy in this book, in this particular chapter? Well, I love these stories about dreaming of a man or dreaming of a wedding, and then it all comes true. So we have a story from Judy Stapp, who is one of our regular contributors. Mm -hmm. And she went through a really rough divorce. And so one Sunday in church, she was praying about these legal issues she was still dealing with. And she said, God, if you just get me out of this mess, I promise I will never, ever get married again. (laughs) And at that moment, kind of had this vision or this premonition and she pictured herself getting ready to walk down the left aisle of her church with her two grown children 
her son-in-law and her grandson. And even though she only had the one grandchild, in this vision, her daughter was carrying a little two-year-old girl. And then coming down the right aisle of the church was a tall man holding the hand of a little girl. And up at the altar were these beautiful pink flowers, like it was a wedding. So she was really shook up by this this vision that she had. She thought about mm-hmm. it for days. And then she, you know, put it aside. And she joined this um, Angels Booster Club for the, you know, the California Angels. She went to games with the group. And they also got to volunteer and uh, hand out giveaway items at the gates, you know, on behalf of the Angels. And that's where she met one of the other club members. His name was John. And John was definitely interested in her, but she told him she wasn't going to have a relationship because she was never getting married again. And he would just nod his head and smile and keep trying. One day, John's parents invited her to their house for a party. It was the sixth birthday of John's little girl. And Judy had never met the little girl before, so this was her first time. And she bonded immediately with the little girl. But again, she told John she was never getting married again. And she told God, too. She said, (laughs) once again, I'm not going to marry John. Then finally, John broke through, and he pointed out that they were spending all their time together anyway, so they might as well get married. So she gave in. And her daughter happened to be in town from far away, from Minnesota. So they decided to throw together a quick wedding right then so that you know, Judy's daughter could attend with her family. Mm-hmm. So within days, Judy was walking down the left aisle of the church with her grown children, her son-in-law, her grandson, and her two-year-old granddaughter who had been in that vision she had had. And down the right aisle came that tall man, John, holding the hand of a little girl, And the flowers up at the altar selected by Judy's friend at the last minute were pink, just like in that (laughs) vision that she had had. So are you getting goosebumps? I mean, it's it's so amazing that she had that dream. And then the exact circumstances became true. And she married in the exact way with the exact right people who she had dreamt about. That's beautiful. really is. And who says there's nothing, you know, like, magical about stuff like that that brings me to chapter three miracle meanings that's the story that i love and that chapter title is meant to be and i love this one by janine lewis and her story is miracle meaning and i love i think it's really funny (laughs) this story from janine lewis is a good example of why you shouldn't necessarily turn down a blind date so Janine was a teacher, and her a fellow teacher told her there was someone she should meet, but Janine said, absolutely not. It happened to be the son of a teacher who had been at Janine's school, but she had died in a car accident before Janine started working there. But everybody knew that teacher and knew her son. And Janine's teacher friend kept asking her to meet the son, and Janine kept saying no. 
And she was actually dating someone else at the time anyway. It was going fine. But then that relationship broke up. And then Janine wondered if she would ever find the right man. The next school year came. Janine had moved to a new apartment. Winter came. And then one wintry February morning, Janine was outside scraping the ice off her windshield. And she was talking to this attractive, friendly guy who lived in her building. And the subject of where she worked came up. And that's when she learned that this young man, who she was very interested in, was the blind date that she had been turning down for more than a year. He was the son (laughs) of that teacher who had been in her school but had died. He was the guy she was supposed to meet a whole year before, but she had been refusing. And she really liked him. And they eventually got married. And you know what Janine's maiden name was? Her last name, before she became Janine Lewis, her last name was Miracle. <laughs> Isn't that something? Yeah. It's amazing. Interesting last name. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you mentioned hope, and that's what it's all about. I think that's the kind of thing. And I have to be honest with you because I've been single for a long time and I just never really, I've been through some tough situations and uh, whether it's me or that side of the equation, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes I'd be the first one to tell you, nah, let's not do anything. <laughs> but, uh, but you got to leave it for miracles to happen. You know, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Do you have a story that you like in this chapter? Yeah, here's another one that gives me goosebumps. So this story is by Lori Chidori Phillips, and it's called We Dreamed a Little Dream. So first let me give you a little background for this dream. Mm -hmm. So Lori's great-grandparents had emigrated from Japan to Hawaii, and they held on to some Japanese cultural practices including soaking in a very hot tub called a furo bath. So this was an important part of Lori's family life. And one night she had a dream and that dream took place in one of these old fashioned Japanese hot tubs, a furo bath. And in the dream, her great grandmother with her white hair pulled into a tight bun sat nearby and next to Lori in the tub was a little blonde boy. He was a little older than she was. And in the dream, they didn't speak to each other at all, but she knew that they were friends. And she had this feeling of happiness sitting next to him in the dream. And she was just a little kid at that time. She was five years old. Mm -hmm. So she woke up from the dream happy, and she wanted to spend more time with that little boy she had met in the dream, but it wasn't going to happen. And then 20 years passed. And Lori had moved from Hawaii to California. She was breaking up with a longtime boyfriend, although she wasn't sure if she should break up with him. So she prayed for guidance. She wanted a sign. And then she had this dream. And in this dream, she saw this filmy veil that hung like a curtain across the window. And she saw the shadow of a figure of a man. And that was the sign to her that there was someone else for her. So the next day, she made a clean break from that boyfriend. 
And then to go along with that new beginning, she also went and got a new job. And one week into her new job, a blonde man walked through the door. And she says something really weird happened. There was this charge in the air when they looked at each other. And she felt there was something familiar about him. And it was so weird and the atmosphere was so charged that after the man left, the company secretary came to her and said, what was that? Something happened. What's going on? Lori didn't know what was going on except that she knew she wanted to see that man again. And he felt Mm -hmm. the same way. So they started dating and they got to know each other. And then one day Lori told him about that dream that she had had when she was five years old about that little blonde boy in the furrow bath. Well, his eyes teared up, and he told her about a dream that he had when he was eight, a dream he had over and over again. And in that dream, he was sitting in a large hot tub, a furrow bath, and there was this old Asian woman sitting in the background. That was her great-grandmother. And next to him sat a little girl with short black hair. She looked Japanese, and they didn't speak, but he felt very happy to be with her. And he had that dream for three nights, and he wanted to go to sleep each night because he wanted to have the dream again and be with that little girl. Well, he had grown up in a part of Texas where there were no Asians. Mm -hmm. It was hard to imagine why he would have dreamt about a Japanese family with a furrow bath with this little black-haired girl. He wouldn't have known about an Asian family, and he wouldn't have known about their special furrow bath. So anyway, they've been married more than three decades now, and they have continued the family tradition, and they have their own large Japanese burrow bath, which they use regularly <laughs> along with their grown children. Isn't that just the coolest story? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's really, really beautiful. And, again, this uh, the kind of things that I know we mentioned the Janine's na- middle name is Miracles, right? But it's, right. it's miracle. It's meant to be. <laughs> it's just amazing. I mean – just it keeps you start thinking twice, you know. There's hope, like you mentioned. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> chapter four. I love this chapter. Keeping love alive. This is something that I've learned from all my nine moms. That love, when you talk about married couples, the thing that you have to do is work on it every day. What are you contributing to the other person, to your loved ones? And I love this story right here by Jill Burns. Love letters. Yeah, so Jill Burns said that um, one day her husband came home from work and he said that the women he worked with couldn't believe that he hadn't taken his wife out for dinner or bought her an expensive gift for a holiday that had just passed. I don't know if it was Valentine's Day or Christmas, but it was a holiday that he hadn't really marked with a gift. And the women who worked with her husband were always teasing him for coming up short in the romance department. But Jill didn't care. She felt like she was low maintenance and she didn't need gifts from him. And her husband told his coworkers that he really didn't think that he was a bad husband because his wife wrote him daily love notes. And what had happened was that early in their marriage, Jill had found herself slipping into a bad habit of criticizing her husband over trivial things. And that's something that all of us wives have a tendency to do. (laughs) And she just decided that she needed to remind herself 
and him why they were married. So she started writing him these little love notes, and she would slip them into his cooler so he would find them during his lunch break. Well, he loved the notes. Mm -hmm. And so she decided that this new habit of writing these, these little notes would replace her old bad habit of correcting him all the time or criticizing him. And so she found that it really worked to keep her grateful for the marriage and to keep her focused on what she liked about him or what she loved about him. So that was an example of a great tip that we have in the book because we have so many of these pieces of advice from people on what works for them in keeping their marriage, you know, fresh, yeah. healthy, romantic. Yeah. And that might not be the approach for everybody, but for some people that approach will resonate. Right, right. Well, what I love about this chapter is simple things like, and I like the story simply because I remember my mom telling me that, and, and these are all moms now, by the way, that mentioned, you know, we get up every morning and we do something for our husbands. And you don't have to be significant. And then likewise, the flip side of the equation is the husband does something for the wife. And you don't have to be something big. It can be as simple as taking the garbage out or something like that. It just reminds each other the connection, the beauty, the respect, or whatever you want to call it. It's just something beautiful that they know each other that really connects them from the love perspective. And that's that's the beauty of it. Do you have a story in this chapter that you like? Another clever idea, um, and this one comes via Jane Thurber Smith, and her story is called The Twelve Dates of Christmas. And this is a story about this clever thing that her husband did. One Christmas, she opened a gift from her husband, Peter, and she was a little confused. It was a wall calendar, you know, when you hang up and, uh, on a hook or a nail and it had these pretty mountain scenes, but she didn't really know why he'd given her this wall calendar. But he was grinning and he seemed so proud. And then she looked more closely and she realized that in each month, taped to a significant day, there was a gift card for a date. So in January... He had picked a day, and he had taped to that day a gift card for Starbucks, and he explained that they would have coffee and scones at Starbucks that day for their January date. Mm -hmm. And then in February, on February 13th, because they always celebrated Valentine's Day on February 13th instead of 14th, mm -hmm. there was a gift card for their favorite seafood restaurant. And then in March, he had taped a gift card for Jane's favorite Mexican restaurant onto March 4th because that was their middle son's birthday. And this was the first year that son wouldn't be home to celebrate his birthday with his mom. And her husband knew that would be a tough day for her, so he was going to take her out on her son's birthday. Well, all 12 months of the calendar contained gift cards on meaningful days. It turned out it was an amazing gift. They had this whole year of dates picked out for them. And each one was a reminder that her husband cared for her and had thoughtfully planned something. So it was really a pretty awesome thing that he did. And I thought it was a great thing. And, of course, a woman could do the same thing for a man. 
But isn't that a fun idea, that calendar filled with 12 months of dates? It is. It's just simply beautiful. And that takes thought. Again, that's, I think that's the idea that my moms were trying to get across where what are you focusing on? What are you contributing? So when you look through that lens of love, it's not about you. It's about the other person. And how would you like to share your love? right and let it grow and whatnot and so forth so that's the classic example i love that love that example and that's something that anyone could do and it's a fun thing oh yeah it's lots and lots of fun i mean i remember doing something similar i remember one christmas Mm -hmm. i gave my husband i called them movie mondays and friend fridays and i gave him (laughs) i think i think i gave him um a month of movie mm-hmm. Mondays where I, you know, we were going to go to the, we went to the movies every Monday because it's empty. So it's a great night to go to the movies. Right. And then I, and then I had made a reservation at a restaurant near the movie theater, but a different restaurant each Monday for four weeks. Mm-hmm. And then I had, I had arranged dinner dates with friends for the first four Fridays after Christmas or after January 1st. And I had the reservations you know, for those dinners and the people lined up. And so I gave him a month of movie Mondays and friend Fridays. Uh, And it took a lot of work to put it all together. And Mm -hmm. so he was very happy with that. No, I'm sure it is. I'm sure he is. And so that brings us to, I love this chapter as well. Never too late. I love it. And it gives everybody hope for sure. And that story that I love is, Finding Love Later in Life by Helen Krushner. Yeah, so by the time Helen reached her 60th birthday, she had led a successful, exciting, fulfilling life by most people's standards. She had worked as an occupational psychologist, a market research consultant, and a helicopter instructor. She had walked around the entire <laughs> coast of Britain. She's English. She had visited more than 80 countries. She had flown almost all types of flying machines. She loved where she lived. She had a nice life writing for a living. She had her cats who she loved. But then she thought, hmm, the cats. Am I just going to be a cat lady? So she tried some online dating, but it didn't really work out because so many of the men her age were looking for someone younger. And then just as she was about to give up, she came upon a profile written by a cat-loving man who lived on a canal boat. And he wrote well, and he sounded interesting, but he was younger than her. So she didn't reach out to him. But then she finally decided to take a chance, even though he was younger. And they talked on the phone regularly for a couple of months. But he didn't seem to show any desire to meet. And then she got a new kitten, a Maine Coon Cat kitten. And this guy, David, really wanted to meet the kitten. So he came to her house to meet the kitten and the rest is history. He ended up selling his houseboat. <laughs> they lived together. They ended up buying a house together. And Helen says in her story, I still can't believe that at the age of 61, I finally found my soulmate. I'm now 71, and life just gets better and better. It's beautiful. It really is. So now I've got a dozen eggs in, in my inventory, so i got to go buy a cat. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a story that you like in this chapter? 
Well, talking about never too late, how about our writer who goes by the name Queen Lori? Her three daughters wanted her to try online dating at age 87. So her story is called Mom on Match because she went on Match.com. So Mm -hmm. they put her on Match.com, but then she never looked at the results. So her three daughters realized that they had to take over. And so they made contact (laughs) with a guy who had reached out to her more than once. He hadn't given up when Lori failed to answer him. And it turned out he was perfect for her. He was a former educator, just like her. He loved to dance, just like her. He enjoyed watching football. In fact, he had season tickets to the Indianapolis Colts. Well, she agreed to meet him, and that led to dinner dates, ballroom dancing, theater, going to the football games. And after a few months, he proposed to her. But she said it was too soon. Now, remember, she was 87 years old, and she thought he was rushing things. She made him <laughs> wait another year and a half before they got married. She made him wait a year and a half, and she was 87. So she was 88 or 89 when they finally got married. Anyway, they went on a honeymoon cruise. They won the newlywed game on the cruise. Um, it was a great marriage. Uh, still going on. So I thought that was a great story and certainly gives hope to people at any age. That's true. I love it. I love it. That's really awesome. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Teachers Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixlab, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and our Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. Here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for a Better Living digital magazine at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. My guest for today is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Our kitchen table conversation for today is about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, All You Need is Love, 101 Stories of Romance and Happily Ever After. Amy, they got to go get this book. I mean, I'm loving reading it, and now we're talking about the various stories. It's even better, so no doubt about it. In Chapter 6, I love this chapter, Take the Risk, and the story is What Would You Do If You Weren't Afraid by Sharif, Serafina Drake. So Serafina was divorced, and... Unlike some people after the divorces, she wasn't really stuck. I mean, she was good about going out with her friends, but she did have one bad habit. She always thought about what could go wrong, and so mm-hmm. that held her back. And one night when she was out with her friends, this handsome bartender in the restaurant kept looking at her. Her friend made her go and talk to him, and there was definitely a connection but he was so good-looking that Serafina thought he was probably out of her league. But then he texted her the next day, and he asked her to meet him at the bar after work. Um, and she didn't do it. And then one of her friends wanted to go back to the restaurant, and Serafina would probably see that, that bartender, and she was insecure. And her friend said, I can't go at the last minute. And Serafina was going to have to go to the restaurant by herself. And she thought, could I actually walk into that restaurant by myself? And 
she started randomly scrolling through her phone and looking at inspirational quotes that she had saved from social media. And she landed on the quotation that would change her life. It said, what would you do if you weren't afraid? Which is such great advice for us, right? Not mm-hmm. just in love, but in anything. Right. What would right. you do if you weren't afraid? So she got in her car and she drove to that restaurant. She did what she would do if she weren't afraid. And that was the beginning of a really wonderful relationship. I love it. I love the concept of are you afraid or you really don't like that person? And then you'll find that most likely you're afraid. So once you overcome that fear, let nature take its course. It's just beautiful, totally beautiful. What is your story that you like in Chapter 8? Oh, well, there's a story that I actually heard. So we went out to dinner mm-hmm. with um, friends, Mark and Maggie Damon, mm-hmm. and they told us how they met. And I said to them, you have to let me have this story for Chicken Soup for the Soul <laughs> because the story was so incredible. So here's how it started. Um, Maggie, whose name is Margaret Markov, she was 12 years old when she saw this incredible scene in a movie. She said there was a, a man with black hair and green eyes and an old-fashioned white Victorian kind of shirt, and he was walking out of a burning mansion in a cloud of smoke. This was in a movie, remember? So she told her mother right then that someday she was going to marry that man. So years later, Maggie was a successful actress, and she was acting in a film being shot in Italy. And she and one of the producers, Mark Damon, fell for each other. And as they got to know each other better, she told him about that movie scene. She said, I don't know what the movie was, but here's the scene, and there was this guy, and I told my mother I would marry him. And Mark stunned because she was describing the scene. He had been an actor before he was a producer. Mm-hmm. It was a scene from The House of Usher, which is a film directed by Roger Corman, who was his co-producer now, um, the film that they were making with Margaret Markov was one of the stars. And she was describing the scene that he had been in. It was a famous scene from this movie. And then the next eerie coincidence occurred on a day off from shooting. Mark and Maggie were having a picnic in the countryside outside Rome. And suddenly Mark just turned white because he looked at what Maggie was wearing. And she had her hair in braids. She had this long blonde hair in braids with a scarf around her head. And he suddenly remembered a vivid dream he'd had at age seven. And he had dreamt about a woman who looked exactly like that in the forest, long blonde hair and braids, scarf tied around her head. And in his dream, this woman had said to him, don't worry, one day we'll find each other. And he had dreamed about this woman a few times. So anyway, the whole thing was incredible because Even the fact that they met each other because Maggie cost a little more than Mark had been willing to spend for an actress for Mm -hmm. this role in the movie. But his co-producer had said to him, no, we have to get her. It's okay that we have to pay her more. I really want her. And so Mark had turned down having her, but his co-producer prevailed and they hired her. Otherwise, he wouldn't have met her, at least not then. So anyway, 
They got married more than 40 years ago. And uh, Mark says, she's still the best thing that ever happened to me. We were clearly meant to find each other. So I thought that was a pretty incredible story. Definitely. I mean, this chapter, by the way, the chapter title is Believe in Miracles. And I love that story. The story that I like in this chapter is One Last Thing by M.D. Kreider. I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, so this story is really interesting because it combines a dream that foretells a great love, and it combines that with basically a message from heaven. So mm-hmm. this story gives, my, gives me goosebumps boost in two different ways. So here's what happened. And, um the author, M.D. Kreider, her name is Melissa. So when Melissa was in high school, she was certain that she had her life figured out. She was going to graduate from high school, go to college, have a great career, wasn't even thinking about getting married. She was just going to be alone. And then she had this dream that changed her outlook. In this dream, she was walking aboard a Navy ship with her grandfather, and he was showing her around and talking to her about her fear that she would end up alone. And he said that he knew that she would find love. And then they stopped in this room where a sailor was standing with his back toward them. All that Melissa could see of him was that he was tall and had dark hair. And her grandfather said to her, here, sweetheart, this is the man you will marry. He will love you more than you know. Please do not worry anymore. You are going to be okay. And then Melissa woke up, and she heard her sister sobbing downstairs. And she rushed downstairs, found her whole family in the living room, and learned that the grandfather she had just been dreaming about minutes earlier had just died. And it was a shock to her because she had just seen him a few days before, and he had seemed healthy and happy. In fact, he had just gotten married a few months before after being a widower for a long time. So anyway... The whole thing was just so crazy, right? That mm-hmm. her grandfather, she came to her in this dream at the moment that he was dying and then took her on this Navy ship and showed her this guy. Well, several years passed and then Melissa was going to college and she was speaking to a friend regularly on the phone. He had just reenlisted in the Navy and that friendship grew into a long-distance relationship. And five years after her grandfather's death, Melissa married that guy who looked just like the man her grandfather had shown her in that dream. (laughs) It's just fascinating. It's just fascinating, totally fascinating. And what I like about that story, again, it's a very fine line when you talk about hope, miracles, and the spiritual side of the equation. And that leads me to Chapter 9, the story that I love is Love That Doesn't Die, Roses in Winter by Christine Troglinga. And this is a beautiful, beautiful story. So Christine loved this miniature rose bush that her husband Jean had bought for this little spot of dirt in front of their house. And he loved to take care of that bush. And every once in a while, he would pluck a rose for Christine. But then the bush died right at the time that Jean learned that his cancer had come back. He bought her another one, which stayed alive but failed to bloom all summer. But then it started blooming in October. 
And then that December, Jean entered the hospital for what would be the last time. And Christine says, through those dark days, the little blooming rose bush gave me comfort as I returned home each evening from the hospital. And then the day before he died, the weather turned cold and the roses began to die. And that made Christine's pain even worse. And then he died. And the day of his funeral, it snowed. And that rose bush was covered with snow. But that night, when she turned on the outdoor lights, Christine saw that a little rose was peeking out through the snow, looking as good as if it were June, not December. And now that little rose bush has survived for 15 years. And last winter, on the anniversary of Jean's death in December, in a snowstorm, that rose bush bloomed again. It's just fascinating, isn't it? It's it, it just like, wow. <laughs> to me, when I read that story, that is that spiritual connection at its best. Yeah. I, we, I mean, if you think about it, the stories we've discussed today, so many mm-hmm. of them are incredible yeah. miracle stories. Yeah. It, it's just, you know, it's something that sometimes and I've mentioned this many a times on the show, is that we think about the past, we think about the present, I mean, the the future, but we don't focus on the present. And there's so much that the present has to give us. And then what I like about this book is that when you read the various stories, it takes you in the moment. Like, okay, let's focus on it right now. And And then you find that so much beautiful things, you know, that makes you really feel good about living, life and living. I agree. So how is chicken soup celebrating the summer? Well, this is a big summer for us because it is the 30th anniversary of when Mm -hmm. the first Chicken Soup for the Soul book came out back in 1993. So at the end of June, we're putting out a new updated edition of the original Chicken Soup for the Soul book with 30 new stories maybe for the next 30 years from now. Wow. And then in July, yeah, and then in July we're putting out a real classic Chicken Soup for the Soul book. It's called Get Out of Your Comfort Zone. It's just filled with great <laughs> advice and stories that will motivate you to try new things, even if they're a little scary, and, you know, make your world bigger again instead of accidentally yeah. letting your world get smaller. Um So it's going to be a really fun summer for us, starting with this love book that we've been discussing, then going on to the 30th anniversary edition of Chicken Soup for the Soul, and then in July, late July, bringing out this book about getting out of your comfort zone. Um, Yeah, I feel like this is a classic Chicken Soup for the Soul summer, what we've got going on. And I'm going to be appearing on a lot of podcasts and television shows to talk about the 30th anniversary of Chicken Soup for Soul. It's pretty amazing, right? I mean, 30 years ago. Yeah. That first, mm-hmm. yeah, that first book came out. Nobody expected it to, you know, to do anything. Jack and Mark had a hard time finding a publisher. And um, it ended up selling a million copies in the first year or 18 months. <laughs> and, you know, the company was off to the races. 
Well, what's interesting though, Chicken Soup for the Soul, it's like an evergreen trademark and an evergreen book concept because situation will dictate it. And believe it or not, we're in today's world to whereby we can definitely use plenty of Chicken Soup for the Soul books. I think that's really true. I mean, one of the things I've been thinking about recently is that um, people feel like things are out of control. Mm-hmm. Like they, they feel no matter what their political position is, they're unhappy, right? Yeah. They're, they're unhappy yeah. with what's going on politically, what's going on in the country. And people feel that way in other countries as well. If you have listeners outside yeah. of the U.S., Everybody's just feeling uneasy and uncomfortable and and things are happening that they don't like. But we still do have agency over our own lives. And that's really what we talk about in Chicken Soup for the Soul books. You still have the ability to control your own life and how you react to things and what's going to happen to you. So that's why story like, uh, you know, a book like All You Need Is Love mm-hmm. helps you keep love alive, help find love, and then the Getting Out of Your Comfort Zone book that's coming out at the end of July. These are all, these are books that help you to run your own life because that is still something that you are in charge of. And I think that's right. really important. That's what we keep right. telling people. Like, you are in charge of your life. You can make a positive difference in your life and the lives of others, even if you're frustrated by what's going on in the outside world. Right. It's a concept, you know, just for today. Just focus on today. Forget about tomorrow, in a way. And let's not marinate over yesterday. Today is the day. It's right here, right now. And that makes the difference. What wonderful recipes for living would you like to share with our listeners today? Well, in, you know, in doing some of the PR I've started doing for our 30th anniversary, mm-hmm. people have been asking me for, like, the most important life lessons I've learned yeah. from Chicken Soup for the Soul. I think the most important one is forgiveness, is using the power of forgiveness to liberate yourself from all those resentments and disappointments and hurts that are kind of weighing you down because we all tend to carry those things around with us, right? I and mean, it's almost like our, our backs are bent forward and we're carrying all these things on our backs, you know, and we just have to like straighten up and shrug our shoulders and drop those things behind us because they happened in our past and we need to leave them in the past mm-hmm. and stop reenacting those scenarios and reliving those negative emotions the person you're forgiving doesn't even have to know. I mean, forgiving doesn't mean you're saying that what they did was okay. It just means you're saying, I'm going to stop reacting to that thing that happened. Right. So that's, that's probably my most important, you know, recipe mm-hmm. for a happier life is to leave those things in the past where they belong. I love it. I love it. That's really, truly true and truly beautiful. Amy, thank you for the great recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Wednesday morning, June 7th at 10 a.m. Central Time U.S. My guests will be Dr. Christopher Macklin and his wife, Amanda Macklin. Dr. Macklin and Amanda founded the Global Enlightenment Project to serve and awaken humanity and to support the healing needs of people all over the world. 
They work with thousands of clients internationally by providing a full range of healing services that address a spectrum of physical, mental, and emotional issues. Dr. Macklin, Amanda, and I will be having a conversation about their remarkable life's journey and his latest book, Centering the Mind, Healing Chronic Stress, Anxiety, Depression, OCD, and ADD in Children and Adults. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKittenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. As always, Amy, it's been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a very blessed day. Thanks so much, Johnny. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.